Pabst Blue Ribbon. Always smooth, always refreshing. Gold medal winner at the 2016 Great American Beer Festival. When you're this good, quality always comes through. PBR Me, ASAP. Hey, let's get Wetmore in here. Derek Wetmore, Touch Em All Podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes, Podcast One, 1500ESPN.com, where you can find all of our redistributed on-demand radio shows and uh, the original online podcast, too. We have a growing collection of them. So Phil Hughes, I don't know if, I, I, I feel like today might be a, a down day for you guys out there, but Phil Hughes is throwing in a minor league game, or he was. So number one, just give us an update on Phil Hughes' velocity, anything you're learning, because he's trying to make a comeback from this this rib surgery. And secondly, I believe I saw Mike Berardino from the Pioneer Press report. He threw like 24 change-ups today to minor leaguers in five or six innings, or however however many innings he threw. Yeah, it was a four-inning day for Phil Hughes, 49 pitches, 25 change-ups, he estimated. Why and, 25 change-ups? Well, why not? He's facing minor league hitters. His fastball's not all the way back, and he's not going to get a non-game situation like that again for the rest of spring. So I think the theory was just play around with it, see what you've got. And by the end of it, I saw some changes that were moving quite a bit. Now, it's never been a huge weapon for Phil Hughes. He's kind of that fastball cutter guy and mix in the spike curveball. Um, but, you know, to your other question on fastball velocity, I asked him after his first start over at JetBlue against the Red Sox, kind of their A lineup. He, he faced a lot of good hitters that day. And he was – uh, the, the radar gun was off, and so I asked him, I said, are you back all the way to full velocity, or is it just way too early in spring? He said, no, it's too early. I said, when do you start looking over your shoulder at the radar gun to see, okay, I'm back? And he said it's going to be three or four starts, and that's the same for any spring. So um, I don't know that he was 92, 93 today. I doubt it. Um, but he he would say that's not quite a cause for concern just yet. Is he, uh, in your mind, Derek, is he going to be uh, set for the start of the year for sure? Because the, the more I read about this, the results of this surgery are, it does take some time to come back. I mean, is there an, any chance that they DL him to start the year, or is he going to be set uh, come opening day, do you think? There is a non-zero chance, as I like to say, Judd, that he'd start the year on the DL, but I think that's the less likely outcome. I know the Twins are monitoring him closely. I know they're trying to make sure he builds his pitch count up. And I wrote a column last week about the velocity just not being there. People are, you know, dragging Hughes through the mud for 2016, which obviously a terrible season for him, and 2015 as well when he posted something like a 4.4 ERA or, or whatever it was after signing the extension. But he basically pitched almost all of those two full seasons with two miles an hour missing off his fastball. So I kind of went and just charted his fastball velocity and put it up um, on a graph and said, look, this is, he's, he's pitching with diminished stuff. And if you want to criticize him for that, if that's his fault, then maybe. But the results, I think, are, are directly tied to the fact that he doesn't have his fastball. Um, so the Twins are monitoring that closely. They're going to figure out, okay, what's his workload going to be like? Um, but 60 pitch, or almost 60 pitches today uh, is just the next step in that progression like any of the other starters are taking. Let's see what he's at in a couple of weeks. If the fastball starts to come back and if the pitch load gets up towards 100 with the rest of the starters, I see no reason why you'd need to start him on the DL. Give us a Twins player that we haven't talked about. So I'm taking Byron Buxton off the table, Max Kepler, um, 
I'm, I'm going to take the, the usual. So I'll take Buxton, Kepler, and Sano off the table here. So pitchers, position players, give us a Twins player not many people have been talking about the last year or two that you think is going to emerge and, and have a big season, whatever whatever big season means for a team that lost 103 games last year. Okay, fair enough. Well, I'll have to think through this because you you didn't take this guy off the table, but Brian Dozier was Okay, not. no. Dude, no, I'll hang up on you in 10 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, thanks for your time, guys. That's all we've got today. Um, one of the one of the pitchers that's impressed me in Twin Spring training so far has been Adalberto Mejia, and he's the guy that came over from the Giants in the Eduardo Nunez trade. Now, I don't expect that he'll make the rotation. Um, I I mean, I see it right now the way it plays out is that both Mejia and Barreos start the season in Triple A Rochester, and if that's the case. Those are two pretty exciting arms if you're the Twins, guys that could surface throughout the season, and I expect both of them will make starts in the big leagues this year. It's more a matter of when than if. Uh, those are two guys that I'm keeping my eye on the on the pitching side of things. Um, and then in the bullpen, too, I feel like this guy doesn't really get enough credit, but Ryan Presley, I think, is uh, has some dominant stuff in the bullpen. I see him as being a big piece for the Twins, and that doesn't get talked about a whole lot because there are other question marks in their bullpen. Um, I guess as I continue to rack my brain here, Trevor May is somebody that doesn't get a lot of pub, but I see him as maybe the Twins' second-best starting pitcher right now behind Irvin Santana. See, I hear that, and I uh, think that's a bad thing. Not that that? Because if he's your second-best starting pitcher – that means your rotation, unless you think he's going to have a huge season all of a sudden. I hear 103 loss season again. If he's if he's your second best starter, I don't know if that's good news. Well, I don't see 103 losses as being really within the window of possibility. I mean, it is the, the very bottom of what could happen this season if last year repeats itself. But to me, Trevor May just does not get the – I don't think he gets ample credit that he deserves. Now, I did post a column yesterday on seven bounce-back candidates just pitchers for the Twins, and I could rattle off that list, but just as as a more meta overview, if you see that, you're thinking, oh boy, it must be spring optimism. Everybody's going to have a good year. And so it's possible that's what I'm suffering from a little bit here on my May contention. But the flip side of that coin, Phil and Judd, is that if you have seven pitchers who are possibly in line for a bounce-back season, that says – all you need to say about the 2016 pitching staff, there are a lot of bad performances uh, when you go around that room. As we go through uh, games now, how convinced are you that uh, Polanco is or is not a, a viable candidate to play shortstop on a daily basis in the big leagues yeah. during the season? Huge question that they've got to answer, but I don't think that gets answered in spring training. I mean, if okay. he's got a terrible spring defensively, you're not going to just start opening day with, uh, Adrianza as your shortstop, or Eduardo Escobar as your shortstop. Jorge Polanco, to me, unless something goes disastrously long, wrong, is the opening day starting shortstop, and that's a question that will get answered throughout the season. But I will say the early returns have not been overwhelmingly positive. I, I haven't seen a shortstop when I watch Polanco play. He's Whether it's nerves or or what, it's just – Plays to his right, he doesn't quite have the arm. Plays that he has to charge in on, sometimes he'll make those, and, and he can make some plays that'll catch your eye, yeah. but he's not making them consistently. And the thing, it's it's hard to explain really what uh, aesthetically I just don't like about him as a shortstop, but 
the way I try to describe it to people is that he doesn't have a good idea of the clock of the play. And all I mean by that is if you're a quarterback in the NFL, you know about how long you have before somebody swings by your left tackle and gets a hand on you. You just have to sort of have that intuitive feel. As a shortstop, there's a similar thing, I believe, where you got to know who's running. you got to know exactly how long you're going to have to set, throw, and you've got to know your own strengths and weaknesses to know how quickly you're going to have to get the ball out of your glove to get the guy out at first base. I feel like Jorge Polanco either lollygags too much sometimes or when he rushes himself, that's when you see him spike throws in the dirt or throw it past the first baseman. Mm -hmm. To me, it's possible those issues get corrected, but that's the biggest sign of concern that I've seen down here in Fort Myers. Uh, So if those concerns continue and you prove to be right, how long can you afford to uh, continue that experiment into a year then? Uh, I would go all season. Okay. I think if he's, unless he's like some just kind of unmitigated disaster and teammates start to turn on him and say, we've got a shot here to contend, and this guy's torpedoing that, I really don't see any reason why you'd need to rush through that. Like, if you think you're a World Series contender this year and you want to sneak into the postseason as a wild card, okay, well, then you probably have to shore up shortstop a little bit. But I view the Twins' window of contention is really swinging open next season 2018 and so i'm trying to spend all of 2017 figuring out can polanco play shortstop who are my starting pitchers going forward who are the back end arms in the bullpen that i can trust late in games uh can miguel sano play third base judd i know you've already answered that question but i'd kind of like to see it play out throughout the full season and the same is true for polanco (laughs) it's it's a learning year i think on both of those guys Uh, that's why we. That's why we've kept you as senior editor, fifteen hundred ESPN dot com. Still in experimental mode. I don't think you're going to write, but I mean, let's just keep it going and see what happens. Best in the waters. We'll see. And plus, like, what are we going to do anyways? Contend this year? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Bye, Derek. Thanks, Wetmore. Thanks, guys. Derek Wetmore from fifteen hundred ESPN dot com. The Touch 'Em All podcast. From a backfield somewhere. From a small field with a chain link fence. I mean, this is. He's been doing a great job down there, and I just feel like no one. The, the Twins are such an afterthought for people. Yeah, and, they don't care. And that's been brought on by six years of mostly terrible to maybe at best mediocre baseball. And so they have they have trust to earn back. We should we should talk about that at some point. Maybe, I don't know. I know you're going on vacation later this week. Yeah, but I'm, what will it I'm take... Out. What will it take for the Twins to earn the trust back of fans? And winning would be the obvious thing. I was going to say months. Months, if not an entire year, right? Yeah, but I don't think if they get off to a hot start, I don't think fans are going to pour into no, that ballpark. No, I'm saying, right but away. months and months of that, if not the entire year. Yeah. Paps Blue Ribbon is always smooth, always refreshing, and the perfect choice at the game or out with friends. And now, add gold to the great PBR tradition, because Paps Blue Ribbon was awarded the gold medal for American-style lager at the 2016 Great American Beer Festival. That makes four gold medals for PBR in the last 11 years. Not bad. It's that gold medal taste that has made Paps Blue Ribbon the Twin Cities' favorite. When you're this good, quality always comes through. Go for the gold. PBR me ASAP. This is Jeff O'Brien, attorney with the Loman Abdo Law Firm, with a case in point sidebar. 
On May 11, 2016, the Defend Trade Secrets Act went into effect. The act extends the current Economic Espionage Act of 1996, which criminalizes trade secret thefts to the civil arena. This means for the first time, trade secret owners can now bring suit in federal district courts without having to resort to another basis for jurisdiction. While not without critics, the act is a major step forward in the protection of intellectual property in the United States, not least because federal law now fully recognizes four types of intellectual property, patents, copyrights, trademarks, and now trade secrets. Minnesota Statutes Chapter 325C also also provides a civil cause of action in state court for the wrongful misappropriation of trade secrets. If your business has been victimized by the misappropriation of its confidential information, contact an attorney to determine if you have claims under either federal or state law. This is Jeff O'Brien, attorney with the Loman Abdo Law Firm, with a case in point sidebar. Hey guys, Phil Mackey here. For all of you Twin Cities area listeners, to tell you about Luther Brookdale Toyota, 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard is the location. My family and I have been going to this car dealership and service department for three plus decades. And there's a reason for that. It's the best in the business, the smartest and friendliest people in the business. They'll treat you like family. So find out why my family and I have been going to the same dealership and service department for multiple decades, right on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard, LutherBrookdaleToyota.com.